Welcome back, world. Jay's world rolls on with a couple of first-rounders, guys I've known for a long time. Ronnie Brown from Cartersville, Georgia, Rome, Georgia, whichever one you want to say, Cartersville High School, and from Tullahoma, Tennessee, the Hall of Famer, Dewan Brazelton. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. big guy. You all right, yeah, Ronnie? Man. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. No problems. No complaints. I wanted to touch base with some guys that have had uh, some professional experience in the athletic space, and that brings up you two. Dewan, let me ask you this, man. Growing up playing sports, when did you believe professional athletics was a possibility? You know, my, my thing, the way my journey went is like, I was always like good, but like, luckily enough, like I didn't know, like I, I had like, my, my, my family always said, or like I heard that, hey, you're just a small fish. I mean, a big fish in a small pond. So I really didn't like have an idea of playing professional sports. I went to Middle Tennessee State and then like, you know, we were in the OPC, which is not a big conference. And I did all right my first two years. Then my third year we moved up and I played for Team USA. And then once I started doing good against people like from other countries and nationally, I mean, I don't know if you know, I set the record there. I'm like, okay, I might, I might have some here. What about you, Ronnie? What was the high school competition like in Cartersville? Well, I mean, for me, man, it was it was different. Like I grew up, um, you know, in a small town. So, you know, I always knew or everyone always said I was pretty good at sports, but I didn't know. I, it was always an aspiration to be a professional athlete, but um, I hadn't really done it. I had an older cousin who played professionally, played for the 49ers. But, you know, when you're one of the guys in a smaller town, it's hard for you to see the that vision of doing it um because it doesn't happen so often and so you know for me it was a gradual process i went to auburn but then everyone knows my story about that like i never was really considered a starter at auburn so you know my first year i was back up to rudy johnson and then after that season he left to go to the nfl and then the next year cadillac williams came in so the first day of spring i was second string that year so you know he was there the whole time i was there so i was always considered like the second guy so I always had the aspirations, but in my mind, I just knew I got to find something else to do in case this doesn't, um, you know, go as planned. Uh, Dewan, did you ever envision a time in high school not playing baseball? Um, yeah, I think like actually, I um, you know, I thought I thought which is it was totally wrong, but I thought I was gonna be like a basketball player. Like, if you, look at, if you look at my background, I played football in high school as quarterback, and I hurt my knee, and then I played basketball. I thought I was good at basketball. But um, it was one of those things where, like, playing basketball, I had some offers or whatever, but, like, you know, I didn't have any money. So Coach Pete offered me a full scholarship. is a big deal, which they don't offer those in, in baseball. Nobody gets a full scholarship in baseball. So that was, that was good. And then, like, you know, um, so, and, like, I, I feel like in the hood, in the hood, like baseball, ain't like it's well known. Like, like when I when I was coming up, if I could tell you, hey, if I go to the hood and say, hey, I had a point zero five ERA, people look at you like you, they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you score five touchdowns and score thirty points, they they feel you. Right. So, um, you know, baseball is just is definitely not where I thought I was going, but I mean that's the way it worked out. Ronnie, did you play some high school baseball? I did. That was my favorite sport growing up. I uh, I didn't know anything about Auburn was a Florida State fan growing up. Wanted to go there, play baseball. Um, went to a camp at Florida State. But for me, baseball just came easy. Like, I didn't play during the summer because I just 
felt like it just came naturally and it was easy. I was a center fielder and a right fielder because um, I'm left-handed. And so I always wanted to be a baseball player, really until my senior year at in high school at Cartersville. I thought I was going to go be a baseball player. But then, you know, like the one said, I had like a partial offer from Florida State. And I'm like, man, I have no idea where the rest of this money is going to come from. So mm-hmm. like, I got to go find something where everything's paid for. And so I initially committed to Tennessee um, and then went to Auburn thinking that my own, during my visit, the first place I visited was the baseball complex. And I'm like, well, all right, I'm going to do both here. And unfortunately, you know, when I got there, after I signed the deal, after I signed my contract, they were like, uh, well, if you're going to come play baseball, you're on football scholarship. So you got to go to workouts for football, then go to baseball practice. And I'm like, and go to class? I'm like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> early when they didn't tell me about the other guys, like Rudy coming in and I'm starting off as a backup and then Cadillac. I'm like, I got to figure out a way to get on the football field. So I got to figure this out first. And so it just, that's one of the biggest things I regret. I wish I had gone out and played baseball too. You know, the um, one I would imagine, you know, Travis Sheffield, Sheffield from yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. My I talked first to him. He always talks about the major league people. They want black athletes. You know, right. they can't, they can't teach our athleticism. Like right. they can't, they can't teach that, you know? So he, obviously we know what he's doing with his sons, but my son's uh, trying to get them involved in the sports and whatnot, but especially if you're left-handed, if you're, if you're left-handed, you can throw that baseball. There are some opportunities out there um, if people can just go get it. Well, I mean, I would, I would add to that, that like, I think a lot of, um, it goes, the, the point I made a minute ago about like baseball, not like the knowledge not being as prevalent in the black community. It's almost costing our kids though, because like at the, the, the one of the best, players I've ever played with was a guy named Carl Crawford. Carl Crawford was not a baseball player. He was a football player. He signed to play basketball at UCLA, and I think he's going to be an auction quarterback at Nebraska. He was just fast, and they taught him how to put the ball in play. If you watch, if you watch Carl throw, he can't throw at all, <laughs> but but he had that, like, hood speed that you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, he hit the, he hit the ball. He, he, he from first to third in, like, two seconds. Like, you can't teach that. Right. I think there's a, there's an opportunity for a lot of people of color to play baseball if they so choose, but they're lower of like football, like football players are more famous because like, you know, like football is more popular, but I mean, the money's better in baseball, in my opinion. It is, it is. And it's, it's guaranteed in baseball, isn't it guys? Yeah. Is it guaranteed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's fast forward to some draft days. I'm the second pick in – let's go to the third pick. I'm the third pick in 2001. The one, what's going through your head in 2001 when, you're, when you're, you hear your name called or you, you see it? You know, I had a little get-together. It wasn't like – it wasn't nothing like um, – see, baseball back then, football had all the hoopla and basketball had the hoopla. But the draft day, baseball, you had to sit by the internet. And they just announced your name. Like, they, they just rolled through it. With the first pick, they take this person. And like they said, just roll right through it. And so I had a lot of uh, pre-draft, like you know, there was a chance I was gonna go with the. Um, there was there was a chance I was gonna go with the uh, Twins at number one, who ended up taking Joe Mauer, who's a Hall of Famer. So that was a good choice for them. <laughs> then they had Mark Pryor and a couple other guys. Um, so I was expecting to go in top five, but I didn't know. But I just had like a little quiet little thing at at, at the house of my mom and my my immediate family or whatever. And um, you know, I got drafted. I mean. Uh, like, I think there's some tears shed or whatever, but 
it's kind of it was like low key because like it wasn't on TV. Right, right, right. I'm a, I'm a little jealous of that. I want I want I want a chance to put my my uh, my pimp suit on. <laughs> so RB, you know you know that experience all too well. You know we fast forward four years from 2001 with the number two selection, the Miami Dolphins select Ronnie Brown. You know what was going through your mind? Man, I think the week up until the draft, one when my agent told me we got the invite to the draft, I'm like I'm not going. Like a kid from a small town growing up in Cartersville, Georgia, going to Auburn, then getting invited to New York for the draft. I'm like, man, I don't want none of that. I'm scared of that. Like, I don't want to be that guy that don't get drafted in that room. And so it took a while to talk me into going. But just the whole experience, being around some of the other guys, it was pretty cool, you know, and it was great to share that experience with a lot of my family. But, man, it happened so quick. Like, after the first pick, you know, they they, they selected um, Alex Smith. And so for me, I'm like, man, it's too good to be true. It's Miami. I'm like, I'm going to end up somewhere cold. If I'm looking over <laughs> Raylan Edwards. And I'm like, I he's going to Miami. He just fit Miami. He got the personality. And then so my agent tell me, like, hey, the Dolphins on the phone. I'm like, man, stop playing right now. Like, we in here. Don't be joking. And then I answer the phone. Saban's on the phone. And I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, Ronnie Brown. He's like, how would you like to be a Miami Dolphin? Man, I love it. Like, <laughs> like well, we're going to draft you with the second pick. They draft me. I go up on stage. Uh, Mr. Tagliabue, shake his hand, put the hat on. And then it's a blur from there. And so, you know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't get to enjoy it that much because I went, got off the stage, did an interview, did another interview. The next thing you know, I'm at the airport on a flight to Miami to do a, a press conference the next day. And so I missed all my buddies getting drafted and missed it. Um, you know, and even to this day, man, I'm like, golly, like, it's still a blur. And, you know, honestly, I'm still kind of like, how did that happen? Like, how does that happen to, you know, if you know my background, a lot of people, you know, know my parents' struggles and certain things that I dealt with growing up. I'm like, how does that happen to a little kid from a small town get drafted to a city like Miami, a second pick in the NFL draft, who was never considered a starter in college. So it was different, you know, and me and my, my teammate, my running partner, both be drafted in the top five of that same draft. Crazy, crazy. All right, Dewan. so let me ask you this. You're a major league baseball player. You've been drafted. What do you feel like you were not prepared for, personally or professionally? Once you've, you're there, but now you're thinking about, do I belong? What do you feel like you were not prepared for? Well, you know, NFL, NFL and NBA is like totally different than baseball. So it's, it's almost like it's like weird for me like to tell this story in front of Ronnie Brown because it's just a different story for him because it's a different sport. Right. But like baseball, the average person, like if, if the average person, I think there's only like three quarters of one percent of people that are drafted and make it to the big leagues in baseball because they have so many rounds, so many people. They have a minor league system. Well, if the average person that makes it to the big league, they've had to play five years in the minor leagues before they get there. Well, in my situation, I was like one, like I think it was like 16 or 17 people in history to go right from college to the big leagues. And um, I think it, um, I wasn't prepared for that because at that time the Rays were terrible. They were terrible and they had like the older guys were bitter. The older guys were like a lot were, were bitter. It's it just a bad situation. So, like, me walking into it, I thought it was going to be, like, like MTSU, like, rah-rah, team camaraderie, everybody, whatever. But I walk in there being the number three draft pick, and people hated me already. They, wasn't, they like were not happy. Me. 
and I, I ain't do nothing. Like so, me from being me being from a small town, I could figure out why why they treat me this way. Cause I ain't done nothing to you. I thought we was homeboys. I thought we were gonna be friends. I just watched you play teammates. Right, but like once you once you add money to any kind of situation, it changes things. And so I had I, I I just wasn't prepared for like some of the ways that my teammates would treat me. I think like if I if I went to minor leagues for like you know a year or two beforehand, I might have been able to be more prepared for that. But like yeah, think about it. I played in the where everybody loved me. Like after after the game, the other team would come over and ask me for autographs. And so I dealt with that. And then like I signed a contract and next day I'm in the big leagues. And this baseball is a whole different animal when it comes to that. Because those those older guys felt like I had paid my dues. They felt like I got too much money. They felt like whatever, whatever. So, I mean, I'm pouring up my – I already got my earrings in. I already got my diamonds. I, I'm already doing whatever. And they just got there in the big leagues now. Like, So, I mean, I just want to prepare for, like, the attitudes. What caught you off guard, Mr. Brown? Man, for me it was – I didn't realize how ill-equipped I was for the financial transition and then the family dynamic. Like, you know, like I said, I'm from a small town, grew up with all my family. Like, we're close. Um, and then I go from having $167 in my checking account to, you know, a few months later and, you know, adding a couple commas, you know, and so <laughs> I didn't know how to handle it. And I'm from a small town. So I'm like, Miami, it's like a whole different world in itself. And then so I get there and now I have this amount of money and I'd have no mentors. I have nobody in my family who can tell me about the transition. And so I'm trying to learn everything on the fly in a new city, how to be a professional athlete, um, how to be financially responsible. Um, didn't really have any financial literacy, had all these agents, financial advisors, you know, coming at me and how to choose those individuals. And so, you know, just going through that whole experience kind of put me where I am now. Like I am one of the financial professionals because I just realized how ill-equipped I was for that transition and that whole process and really trying to find people to trust. Like, the ones that growing up in a small town and everybody likes you and then you get drafted. I'm the second pick. You know, you go into a locker room assuming that, all right, man, we got we got team. You know, it's camaraderie. Like, all the older guys going to, you know, take to you, take you under their wing. But, you know, it was like, hey, Rook, do this. You know, um, you know, you're the second pick and then the pressures of doing that. And then I'm trying to tell my family, like, man, it's like, hey, man, can I get 20 tickets for this game? Can I come down to Miami? Can I get – get you get me a hotel can you get me a flight and trying to balance all of that stuff you know in the first year and being a professional and then also not trying to fix everybody's problems because when you grow up in a small community everyone's problem is your problem and then so you look you're looked at as okay now we got a way out and we can fix all these issues so you know trying to take all those things on at once and not even getting acclimated that first year to like man this just happened i'm a professional athlete like getting a chance to ease into it. Dewan, how long did it take you to learn the word no? I, I was I was lucky. I was lucky and I um I was lucky because I had an agent I had an agent that was like um he I mean he's still he's still good to me today. I mean uh I'm thankful for him but he was like a no man. Like like I, I had a lot of agents my my agent was like like playing baseball like everybody used to love when the agent come into town. Your agent come into town, he'd get a limo and take you out and take you drinking and popping bottles at the club. My agent wasn't like that. You know, my my agent, you you would never know that he had a dime, even though he had a ton of money. And so what happens at first, you know, 
everybody's coming to me, asking me all kind of crazy stuff. And so I got really good about saying, like, everybody had, like, somebody want to make a, want to have some uh, chocolate-covered gumballs. You know, there's always some kind of business adventure somebody wants to go into. And so the first thing I asked him was for, hey, can I have a, you get a business plan? Which most, that usually stops most of it. And then the second one, if they came up with a business plan, I was like, hey, let's shoot it to my agent. Because I know no matter how good the plan was, you're going to say no anyway. So it was him saying no, not me. Because, like, I, I'm, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I know, like, it was tough for me to say no because, like, people, yeah, oh, you forgot where you came from. So if you if you don't give everybody what they asked for, you forgot where you came from, which is nothing. I want to help you. But at the end of the day, what I, what I know, especially now, whenever you're a pro athlete and you ain't got nothing, you can't go back and ask nobody for nothing. Then that money they borrowed, you can't ask for help. They're going to say, hey, didn't you have $20 million? What happened to that? Well, actually, what happened to it, I let you borrow it. <laughs> hey, guys, I don't want to get too personal with my personal life, but I have this person who always asks me for some money. And I was basically like, hey, you can come live with me. Like, literally, come move into the crib. I got what you need. You don't got to worry about no bills. You don't have to worry about groceries. You can come live with me. But I'm not giving you any money. I'm not taking money out of my house to put into your house. And the person didn't want to come stay with me. No. But not. they sure as hell wanted my money. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, <laughs> you got to think about when you, when you, like, you, you, like sometimes you see those homeless people on the street and you try to hand them a hamburger. They ain't want that. No, I ain't want that, man. I want a dollar. That's right. Yeah. yeah, man. I had a buddy. We used to always joke. And his saying was, man, you never see any for sale signs on Easy Street. Like he's like, man, as long as it's coming, bro, they gonna keep taking it. And no doubt. You know, enough ain't really gonna be enough, but you know, it's just how it is, man. No doubt. Ronnie, what was the first hard lesson you had to learn about being a professional athlete? Uh man, I think one, just dealing, you know, with the media. I like relationships. And so you know, I like meeting new people. And so for me, you know, like the one mentioned, it's everybody with you isn't really with you. Um, you know, and so I'm just assuming, you know, being a high draft pick coming into the city, um, really trying to give everything I got, you know, you want everybody to like you, you want to do the right thing, but it's just not possible, you know, and trying to make everybody happy, um, you know, puts a big burden on you. And so in trying to deal with all the dynamics of, everything and the moving parts of it and trying to take care of tickets and, you know, family requests and then trying to be the best athlete, you know, I think I took away from myself. And then I started to realize it after I got injured my third season, I tore my ACL and I'm sitting there in a room by myself after, um, after rehab. And I'm like, golly, like, man, my phone's not going off. Like mm -hmm. nobody just calling to be like, Hey man, how you doing? I was just calling to check on you. And so that really kind of, you know, reshape things for you. you like, oh, man, I got to look at, you know, my life, my relationships a little different because, you know, while I'm out here on the field, everything's going well. But as soon as that stopped and, you know, I'm sitting here injured, I'm having to rehab myself and I'm in this house by myself, you know, it just, you know, it made me reevaluate a lot of things in life, you know, and it was a tough lesson because, you know, I was trying to do everything for everybody but not really take care of myself. So, Dewan, you're drafted by the um... – Tampa Bay Rays or whatever we call them, Tampa Rays. I'm not mm -hmm. even sure. Are they Tampa Bay or Tampa? They're Tampa now. Tampa. I think. <laughs> I think, though. You find yourself in San Diego and, you know, one uh, one outing late in, the, late in the game doesn't go well and 
things start to change for you. When do you start thinking about life after baseball? I started thinking about life after baseball too. It, it was it wasn't necessarily after a bad game, something like that. Like going going my agent, going back to him, he was he was really good, man. He was really good like about doing that stuff beforehand. An example I would give you is like you know at one point in time, you know I like cars, I like that kind of stuff like that. And so what he did was he had like a, a tenure portfolio. Um, and I'm not trying to like bragging. I'm just trying to give you factual information. So, you know, I'd already had, I had, I had a Ferrari already. The new Bentley came out and uh, he was like, all right, if you want it, you can go get it. But let me show you this first. He's like, Hey, look, if you spend this, you know, $180,000 right now, cash, if you spend it, this is what it's going to look like in 10 years. But if you leave that hundred whatever thousand in there, this is what it's gonna look like in ten years. Now you make your decision. And so it's like it was like a lot of things. Like it's I don't I it's it's funny. Like I almost I felt like I belonged all the time. Like I, I I like you know you know my boy Chris he called me D ego, so I always felt like I belonged. But I also had a sense of like the fact that I didn't ever want to go back to being broke. <laughs> So I was always counting. Okay, I just made I just made X amount of money doing this autograph signing. So if I put this back, what's this going to look like in ten years? If I did it, what's this going to look like? If I buy this, and so I mean, so my answer to that question is, I started way before. Like I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like I still don't do anything now. I don't I mean, like I just kind of chill every day, whatever I want to do. But I mean, that's because of some of the decisions I made early on. Ronnie, um, since you've been so many places. Do you ever recall open up, opening up your house to me in Davy? I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't, man. I really don't. You know, and I think that's one of the things. Like, if I like people and I feel good about relationships, like, I mean, I just think if you do right by people, man, everything else takes care of itself. <laughs> I don't. Tell me about it. Remember, remind me. It was just a story idea. You know, my niche, guys, with professional athletes was you could only really do so much inside of a locker room. So I wanted to do shit like, can we go play Madden and talk about your football career over a game of Madden? Can we go to a pool hall and shoot pool and talk about your career in sports over the game of pool? So one time I went to your house, and I didn't even deal with you, to be honest. I dealt with uh, Jennifer Thatcher. Is that her name? Yeah. My agent, yeah. And she sent, she texted me your address. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. So I wound up at your house one day and I'm like, this is a normal neighborhood. You know, this this is a good looking neighborhood, but it's not Tom Brady, Derek Jeter neighborhood. You know, so that really impressed me about you. It really impressed upon me that in my head, he's not out here tricking off money. Now, with that said, what's the dumbest thing you ever spent some money on? Jewelry. I, I bought mm-hmm. a lot of jewelry mm-hmm. early on. And I never really was a jewelry person. Like, when I was in college, I had, like, a little gold rope necklace. Um, it's funny because I saw some pictures, like, recently of, you know, senior portraits. And I still had, like, a little rope necklace. But even now, like, my, my kids, like, play with my ears. My, my, my daughter's like... Oh, damn, you got holes in your ear, but I just haven't worn them. Um, one, because I lost a couple earrings at practice, and I was like, boy, you're an idiot. Because um, I'm putting the helmet on and off, and right. you get tired, you forget. Um, you know, I had the gold tee, 
when I was in Miami, I had the diamond tee, just all of that stuff, you know, and I'm like, you know, I don't mind, like, I don't, I think it's the right thing if people doing stuff because it's what you enjoy, but getting caught up in doing it because a lot of other people are doing it. And so for me, it was just, I realized at a certain point, like, I really don't enjoy this stuff. I just was getting it, one, because I can, but two, it's because, oh, everybody likes it. And then so I'm like, man, this ain't even me. Like, I enjoy watches now, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, am I really going to wear it or what's the likelihood I'm going to wear this? So now I find myself wearing this little Apple watch more than I do most of the other stuff. But just really realizing, like, bro, like, I wasn't doing it all the time because I really liked it. I just knew, oh, I can go out and get this. And then so when I started to sit back and be like, why did I get this? Like, or you realize, man, I don't even wear this stuff that much. Like, and it don't do anything. Now, obviously, I'm the TV guy, so I never had no professional football money, professional baseball money. But I got about 10 watches in this damn closet of mine, and I wear this Apple Watch seven days a week. I'll <laughs> right, right. I'll man. Look, I'm – uh-oh, the same way, look. Yeah. <laughs> One of the worst things that ever happened, for me, like in 2001, if you look back, that, that was the first year that uh, they had show MTV Cribs come out. And so, like, I was just, like, poor kid from Tullahoma. I didn't know nothing. And so now you see, like, I remember Ja Rule was the one that got me messed up the most. Ja Rule had this new Escalade come out, put the 23s on it, and he said, if you ain't rolling right, you ain't rapping right. And so as soon as I got my little check, that's the first thing I did. And I went and got everything Jairu said I had to have so I could be rolling right. But at the time, like, you know, now, now as a grown man, like, that was like, that was like some stupid stuff. But, you know, I felt like I didn't know anything about being a professional. I didn't know anything about having money. So the only thing I knew is what I saw on TV. And like, that, that, that moment with Jairu on Cribs, like, spoke to me. And I don't know why, but, like, if you even look now, now as an adult, I realized that most people on cribs, it wasn't even their house. It was rented or, or they borrowed it or some other stuff. So Ja Rule had me spending money he wasn't even spending. <laughs> uh, Ronnie, how many children do you have and how old are they? Two. I just got it. My son just turned seven on Saturday and my daughter's four. Dewan, uh, we want to fast forward to the playing days being over. Right. What's been the best part about life today? Man, I don't know you. Uh, you know the best part of my life is I end up getting custody of myself. Like I've got a son now who's uh, I think can be better than me. Like you know, I, I'm six foot four. He's six six already, throwing that thing. And like I've always wanted to be a father. And I, I went through a whole lot of stuff during my current playing career with my with my baby mother, as far as not trying to let me see the kid or whatever. And I was real persistent on that. And I feel like I can't speak for anybody else, but I personally feel like a lot of other men would have gave up on that and just broke that check and been done with it. But I was persistent. I was persistent. And, like, you know, I went through some hard days trying to see my kid. But I never gave up. And I never gave up. And then, like, you know, uh, probably four years ago, I won custody of him. And so now, like, being a father is the best part of my – being a father and being a father with time to be a father. Like, you know, like, a shout-out to all the men that bust their behind to take care of their kids or whatever. I appreciate that. But being able to do well with my money enough that, like, I don't – like, I'm at every baseball practice. I'm at every school function. I'm at, like, it's one of those things where I'm sure these folks tired of seeing me, but wherever you see my son, I'm going to be. Like, right now, I'm sitting right outside of his, he's working out upstairs right now. Which, <laughs> you know, he, he, he's 16, but he don't drive it, so I got to drive him there. And normally I'd be up there with him, but now I'm sitting there talking to y'all. But 
being a father is the biggest thing and having the time to be the father is the biggest thing since I retired. Another question for you, and I appreciate you being here, you know, during this workout opportunity. Um, would you rather see him punch somebody out or hit a home run center field? Um, yeah, I'd, rather, I'd rather see him strike people out. Cause like, it's just one of those things where like, it's a, it's a selfish thing. Like, you know, it, it, we had, we had the same name. So it's like one of those, like when he, when he was young, he didn't respect, well, partly because his mother too, she was hating on me, but they didn't respect what I had done. Like she made it sound like being, you know, amazing pitcher was, oh, everybody do that. And so uh, now, you know, my name's Juan Browns. He's Juan Browns Jr. So now when people Google his name, my name come up first and they can see that his daddy had a little success or whatever. And so it's almost fed him into like being like, cause he, he's a hitter, but nobody even, even considers him that. I mean, he hits, but like, not, you know, ain't, ain't many people throwing, like, throwing a 90 on the mound right now at that age. Ronnie, what's your hopes for your children? Man, I think for them to be better than me in every aspect, um, you know, and that's starting with, like, just being a great person. You know, my son and I, you know, I drop him off in the morning when I'm headed into the office, and, you know, we talk about the importance of inte integrity and character, you know, and being a leader, and what does that mean? And so just having them conversations, you know, and he just turned seven, but I just don't feel like it's too early for it, you know, and especially now with social media and all this other stuff, you know, me and him, we talk about that. And I'm like, what does it mean to be a leader? You know, and it's, you know, not about following, you know, the crowd and setting the trend and, you know, just being that type of person. And then what does it mean to have character integrity, you know, and, you know, it's always doing the right thing when no one else is around or, you know, one, no one else is paying attention, you know, because I try to put in his mind, it's like, you know, during football, for me, it was our thing in practice was the eye in the sky don't lie. And so, you know, I just try to get him to understand, like, somebody's always watching. And so, you know, if you take that approach, you know, and just taking the mentality that the standard is the standard. And so your standard is your standard all the time, 100% of the time. And so not doing it because somebody's watching or not doing it because, you know, you just don't feel like it. Just set the standard. And so, you know, my goal is for them to be better than me in every aspect. And so even with me, it's weird having a little boy and a little girl, you know, because I try to treat them the same, you know, and have the same expectations. And so, um, you know, just taking that approach. And, you know, while my son, you know, he plays sports and he's probably a lot more athletic than I was at that age just because he does a lot more. Like, he plays baseball, he plays football, he's a soccer team, he's on a swim team. Um, he did taekwondo, he did basketball. So he's really active, but my daughter, she's probably going to be the athletic one because she just tries to do everything that he's doing. So, you know, for me, it's like I understand the sports part of it, but I want you to be just as competitive in education and being a well-rounded individual. No doubt, no doubt. Dewan, if um, a Major League Baseball commissioner invited you to speak to all the incoming draftees, what words of advice would you give them? Um, the first, the first advice I would talk to them would be about their money, because I would, I would, I, you know, I, I've been around like um, people, people talk bad about you if you had people love like America. Our, our society loves to build up athletes, but they they love to tear them down even more. Um, you know, I was uh, at a football game one time, um, and it was a high school football game. Tampa was playing Lakeland or whatever. And I don't want to say this guy's name, but, like, the, the, um, the one of the high school teams had a running back who whose dad played in the NFL. 
And I'm sitting there, and nobody, they don't know who I am. I'm just sitting there. And they were talking so bad about how this dad played in the NFL. Now he ain't got a pot to piss in, which I'm like, well, you know, at least he did. I mean, he did something. I mean, you, you're talking about him right now. So I would my, – my biggest advice would be, first, about the financial aspects. I would talk to them and tell them what I know about the financial aspect. And I would tell them that no matter what, like, you're not invincible. Like, this thing's – like, I thought I was pitching in the big leagues forever. It didn't happen like that. I played 10 professional seasons, which is a long time. But it's going to come to an end at some point in time. So you need, you need to stop and smell the roses while you can. Like, I, I didn't smell the roses enough because I was like, well, I, I just figured I was going to play forever. But, it, like, you know, I, w- I would tell you, like, my ability my ability came, like, somewhat out of nowhere as a junior at MTSU. Just burst on the scene, and it left that same quick. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, one day I wasn't throwing 95, and I couldn't figure out why. It was just what it was. Um, so I like it's deep in the night. So I, I would tell people to enjoy it while they can and make sure you live it to the fullest, like not being like wild, but making sure you just enjoy it. Like, they're like, I'm, I'm very thankful of all the things I did. Like, as far as like, I did little things, like I got autographs from everybody that I played with all my peers and about, I got them signed in my son's name. So when you come in my house, in my living room, I've got like a trophy room with bats and balls and uh, from, from to the one junior from Frank Thomas. Now, DeJuan Jr. is only, like, one at that time. But now that he's 15, 16, he sees those things. He respects those things. And he lets him know that dad loved him even before. So, I mean, just, just take time to enjoy it because, I mean, it's, it's very fleeting. No doubt. Like a thief in the night. Uh, yeah. Ronnie, what would you uh, tell the people that are trying to make it to the NFL? Man, I think just in the grind, I think we get caught up in looking past the moment. Um and so for, for me, it's the same saying that a lot of coaches used to tell me, be where your feet are, uh, meaning enjoy this moment in time. Because when I was in high school, it was, I can't wait to get to college. And then when I was in college, I can't wait to get to the pros. And like the ones, it comes and goes so fast. And then you realize I didn't really appreciate it or get to enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Um, and then you look back and you have that story of, I wish I had, or, or you know, we're older now and we look like, man, I wish we would have done this at this point in time. And so, you know, those are moments you just can't get back. And so, you know, everybody says that now you see a lot of the athletes saying, just enjoy the process and enjoy the process, appreciate the process, because for all of us, it's going to end. And the closer you get to the professional piece of it is the closer you're getting to the end of your career. And so really just understanding, man, this thing ain't going to last as long as I want it to. You know, and either I'm going to retire or they're going to retire you. So it's only going to end one or two ways. And you're going to be a, a ex whatever football player, baseball player, basketball player way longer than you're going to be a player. And so really just enjoy the moment and taking advantage of it. And then the second piece of that is probably keep your circle close, you know, because you are most like the five most people you hang around. And so realizing, you know, looking at the trajectory of where you want to go, you know, if you look at the people that you keep close to you, the, the circles that you're in, that's really a reflection of who you are. And unfortunately, you know, we all get judged. And so even the people around of us, around us, that's how people look at us. Like, oh, man, why does, you know, Ronnie hang out with this guy? Why does Ronnie DeWan hang out with this guy? Like, so really realizing that your circles are a reflection of you and people are going to hold you to that standard. Two questions for each of you. Ronnie, when is the last time you were on the football field at Cartersville High School? Um, 
I think it was not this past football season, but two years ago. And on Friday nights, my son and I, like, either we'll go here locally in Atlanta or we'll go watch uh, my high school play. And even still, that's kind of like our guy time. What goes through your mind or what, you know, you're there. Does your mind go back? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I just realized how much I miss it. Um, for me, you know, I live about 45 minutes from my hometown. So, you know, when I go back, it's just about seeing the guys that I played high school ball with and really just thinking about those relationships because, you know, professionally, it's a lot different. You know, you get guys coming in, everybody's in a different space in their life. And so for me in high school, it was the same guys that I had grown through and played peewee ball with. We grew up together, same neighborhood. So, you know, we knew a lot about each other and, and the constant grind. So I just enjoyed those moments. And some of the best moments and times in my life were when I didn't really have a lot because I really just had people around me that we just appreciated each other's company. And they didn't want anything from you. Let's go uh, down to you, Mr. Dewan. You Were you inducted to the Hall of Fame here recently? Uh, yeah, that was, that was the uh, Tom Hall Fame. How was that experience? That was good. I mean, I, th I think it was good. Um, you know, like, you know, I think Ronnie hinted it earlier. Like, you know, there was a lot of things that went on with my life earlier as far as, you know, growing up in Tullahoma. So it was kind of nice to go back there. I mean, I'd already been in TSU and other places as far as the Hall of Fame goes. So it wasn't that big of a deal as far as that, but it was nice to go back and, uh, you know, give credit to a lot of people that helped me growing up. Surely it made you walk down memory lane, right? Well, if the, the, uh, that, that was on a Saturday. That was on a Saturday night. Early in the Saturday day, I threw out the first pitch in MTSU, and that was like, that was like memory lane right there, man. I, I was like, <laughs> what has happened to me, man? Right, right. <laughs> Everybody's giving me a hard time. I, I didn't go all the way to the mound to throw the first pitch out. I kind of went halfway in between. And I'm like, well, it's, it's better to not do it and make them talk about it and do it next year. Have them talk about it. It's probably been terrible. My first rounders, Ronnie Brown, Dewan Brasselton, I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for stopping by Jay's World. All right, thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate you for having me. Dewan, I enjoyed it, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Ronnie. Thanks for listening to Jay's World Podcast. Jay's World is brought to you by 5G Media and Gilmore Financial Services. Do you need your taxes done? Contact GFS at Gilmore Financial Services at Comcast.net.